Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Of course, we're hip, we're cool. We've got streaming services for you at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT Radio app. A video feed right now, thanks to the Twitch app. It is almost eight sec eight seconds, eight minutes after five o'clock on this Thursday, June the eighth of two thousand and twenty-three. Sports beat on the air until six forty-five tonight. At six forty-five, we have South Bend Cubs baseball from Four Winds Field. As Max and Brendan will bring you the play-by-play. South Bend taking on those darn Lansing lug nuts from beautiful Four Winds Field in downtown South Bend, Indiana. First pitch at 7.05. Well, we had an historic Tuesday with the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the Public Investment Fund coming together, bringing the game of golf together, whether it's good or bad. It was reality. And we had sort of a historic day today here in the South Bend area as Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick is going to be stepping down at the University of Notre Dame sometime in early 2024. We will talk about that coming up in our hat trick of opening topics here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Also, this evening on the program, at the bottom of the hour at 530 I'm going to be joined by the voice of the NHL's Nashville Predators, a Notre Dame alum. Pete Weber is going to rejoin the program to talk some Stanley Cup final hockey. Spencer Stasny, former Notre Dame defenseman, got his 
skates wet with the Predators this year, playing eight games. We'll talk to Pete about the future of Spencer Stasny in the NHL with the Nashville Predators. We have our Twitter question of the day to get to later on in the 5 o'clock hour. In the 6 o'clock hour, we are going to dabble into some NFL conversation. The last three NFL seasons, seven teams each year who made the playoffs the previous year missed it the following season. So who might be the top teams that have the best chance to not make the playoffs this year after enjoying playoff football last year? Also coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, we have our sports wagering segment. We going to Sizzler, and Sizzler was really good last night. We had a 4-0 evening last night, so always love that. We're now 9-3 for the week and 14-6 for the month of June. I'll tell you right now, the card tonight I don't love as much as last night's card. We'll see what happens. We'll bring you some picks coming up at the end of the 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. But let's begin the program with three important topics. In our hat trick of opening topics, we begin with the news that Sports Illustrated's Pat Forty broke about 11 o'clock this morning. And about 15 minutes later, Notre Dame released a statement on everything that was in Pat's story. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick will step down in 2024, and he is going to be replaced by a Notre Dame alum and the current chairman of the NBC Sports Group, Pete Bavacqua. Now, the exact date for when Swarbrick will leave the athletic department has not been decided, but it's being framed as in the first quarter of 2024. Now, as Bavacqua makes the transition into his new position, he will start work at Notre Dame on July 1st, and his title, for the time being, a special assistant for athletics to Notre Dame president, Reverend John Jenkins. Swarbrick will still be in charge of the athletic office, but of course, Pavak will be right there, hand in hand, working through the issues that you have to deal with as an athletic director. Or celebrating national championships, as the Irish did recently with the men's lacrosse team. Well, the 69-year-old Swarbrick had this to say, quote, I feel great about where we are. There's a sense that it's the appropriate time. It's important for Father John to make the selection of the next AD because I don't know how much longer he's going to go. End quote. That was from the Sports Illustrated story by Pat Forty. During his 15-year tenure, some of the things that stand out, Jack Swarbrick, navigated the Fighting Irish into joining the Atlantic Coast Conference, which enabled Notre Dame football to remain independent. Also, you think back to 2020 during the COVID pandemic, Swarbrick worked out a deal in which Notre Dame joined the ACC for one year. There was no non-conference games that season as we worked through the pandemic. And Notre Dame went to the ACC for a year and won the regular season title. Mr. Swarbrick, of course, hired football coach Brian Kelly. And that decision, along with Swarbrick's leadership, enabled Fighting Irish football to come out of the darkness in college football. And it wasn't too long after Notre Dame was playing 
for a national championship in 2012. The Irish have not won that ultimate national championship. That might be the one thing missing from the resume, but I have an analogy for Swarbrick and Notre Dame not winning a title in those 15 years that he was in charge. There's a lot of outstanding professional golfers that never won a major championship during the Tiger Woods era because Tiger was so dominant. You think about Notre Dame football during the Jack Swarbrick administration, and he picked a time in which Nick Saban revitalized the Alabama football program, and they became the dominant football program in the country. And there was probably a lot of really good football teams that could have and maybe should have won a championship, but Alabama got rolling once again, and it made it much more difficult to win a title. A couple of trips to the playoffs since the playoff format was unveiled, but still looking for that first Notre Dame playoff victory. Also, Mr. Swarbrick selected Marcus Freeman as Kelly's successor. He hired Neil Ivey to succeed Muffin McGraw as Notre Dame women's basketball coach. Notre Dame ranking within the top three nationally in NCAA's academic progress rate, the graduation success rate metrics every year of his tenure. And for those of you that are all about championships, well, Notre Dame won 10 NCAA titles across five programs, women's basketball, men's soccer, women's soccer, men's lacrosse, the most recent, and, of course, the fencing program. Now, from the Notre Dame release, here is a statement from Mr. Swarbrick, quote, it speaks volumes about Notre Dame and Father Jenkins' leadership that we can implement such a well-conceived succession plan and attract someone of Pete's talent and experience. I have worked closely with Pete throughout his time at NBC, and based on that experience, I believe he has the perfect skill set to help Notre Dame navigate the rapidly changing landscape that is college athletics today and be an important national leader as we look into the future. I look forward to helping Notre Dame student-athletes and coaches achieve their goals in the months ahead while also helping Pete prepare for his tenure as athletic director. Now, Father Jenkins says he views the athletic director position at Notre Dame as, quote, a job like no other in college sports. You have to play at the highest level for national championships in Division I while you have a full student experience with a demanding academic curriculum and graduate at a very high rate. Duke and Stanford can say the same thing, but as an independent at Notre Dame, you have a major media contract to manage. Thirdly, you're a member of the college football playoff. In all those areas, Jack has been remarkably impactful. End quote. Now, Bavacqua, 51 years old, a 1993 Notre Dame graduate. He was a walk-on punter for the Fighting Irish football team under Lou Holtz. Before going to NBC, he was the CEO of the PGA of America and worked in a New York law firm and graduated from Georgetown Law School. Just when I first started hosting Sportsbeat a couple of decades ago now, I remember John Finneran, Tom Denon. They had Mr. Bavacqua on the program when he was a part of the PGA of America. 
Bavakwa says, quote, it has been an unbelievable, mutually beneficial relationship for both entities. Talking about Notre Dame and NBC. I have a strong suspicion that both Notre Dame and NBC would love to see that going forward well into the future, end quote. And that could be a key piece in keeping Notre Dame independent in football, that television contract. Bavakwa says, quote, this is a dream come true. With the exception of my family, nothing means more to me than Notre Dame. I don't have a memory in my lifetime, quite literally, where Notre Dame wasn't a part of it. At this stage of my life, I feel like everything I've done has prepared me for this. I didn't have a burning desire necessarily to be an athletic director. I had a burning desire to be the athletic director at Notre Dame, end quote. Now, with the ever-changing landscape of college sports and the media deals becoming so vitally important to these schools, Bavacqua has a background in the world of sports business, and that will be something that is very valuable to the University of Notre Dame. He led all aspects and business operations of NBC Sports and was responsible for its overall strategy. Bavacqua completed numerous rights agreements across national and international sports landscape. Most recently, in August of 2022, NBC Universal and the Big Ten Conference reached a seven-year agreement for NBC and Peacock to become the exclusive home of Big Ten Saturday Night Football. In March of 21, NBC Universal and the NFL agreed to an 11-year extension for NBC Sports to continue as the home of Sunday Night Football. Bavacqua in the press release from Notre Dame says, quote, such a large part of college athletics now and the success of any athletic program is baked into the media landscape. Obviously, having a very direct knowledge of where the media landscape is in the U.S., the power of linear television and where that's heading, the shift of the direct-to-consumer streaming environment, you kind of add up those elements, and I feel like I have the background and the professional experiences to come into this at a good place. And then you couple that with the comfort of having this wonderful transition period with Jack. I'm going to be pretty well positioned to pick up the torch from Jack. So again, Mr. Swarbrick will step down sometime in 2024, labeled as sometime in the first quarter of 2024. Mr. Bavacqua will become a member of the athletic department and the university on July 1st before transitioning to the athletic director again sometime in the first quarter of 2024. So another Notre Dame alum taking over as athletic director. 520 is our time. Darren Pritchett with you on Sports Beat. Hat trick opening topic number two. With this news, maybe the U.S. Senior Open can return to Notre Dame Warren someday. That's my hope. You think back to 2019. The championship won by Steve Stricker, a huge success at Warren Golf Course. My good friend John Foster, the former general manager at Warren Golf Course, was a huge part in making all this happen. And now with Bavacqua becoming the athletic director with his golf background at the PGA of America, he has worked with the United States Golf Association, with the U.S. Opens on NBC, and with a championship golf course right here on campus Hopefully, sometime soon, we could see major championship golf come back to Notre Dame Warren and their terrific facility. 
The chances were very, very slim, but today I think at least opens the door for something like that to happen once again for golf fans in our area and for Notre Dame and its wonderful golf course, Warren Golf Club at the University of Notre Dame. And finally, our third topic tonight in our hat trick to get Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolling for this Thursday. We go to the NFL, and the Chicago Bears see the NFC North get even more weaker today. The Minnesota Vikings reportedly are releasing star running back Dalvin Cook, saving them $9 million in cap space. Now, he's 27 years old, coming off shoulder surgery, third in Vikings history with 5,993 rushing yards. He is fourth all-time in rushing touchdowns with 47. You think back to the Vikings, 13-4 last year in the regular season. NFC North champions got upset on their home field by the New York Giants in the postseason. They were 11-0 in games decided by seven points or less. Quite impressive, but a lot has changed since the Vikings lost to the G-Men. They're releasing Dalvin Cook, 70% of the rushing offense. One of their great wide receivers who teamed with Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen, released. He's now in Carolina. Eric Kendricks, their leading tackler from last year. He's now a Los Angeles Charger. Ten sacks from Zadarius Smith in 2022. But now that great Viking pass rusher is a Cleveland Brown. Patrick Peterson, an all-time great corner. He has signed a free agent deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cameron Dantzler, a starting corner for the Vikings. Free agent signing of the Buffalo Bills. And Dalvin Tomlinson, a starting defensive tackle. He's now a Cleveland Brown. And oh, by the way, they are still looking to trade Daniel Hunter, who recorded 10 and a half sacks in 2022. Aaron Rodgers is gone. A big chunk of the nucleus of the Minnesota Vikings is gone. The Detroit Lions should be really, really good. But you see an opening for the Chicago Bears to creep up in the NFC North. And if the Detroit Lions stumble, the Chicago Bears could be waiting there to at least give them a challenge in 2023. But it sure doesn't look like it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings as they are making a transition from a team that was built to win last year. And now they're thinking about the future. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Jack Swarbrick leaving Notre Dame in 2024. He'll be replaced as AD by Pete Bavacqua. The possibility of the U.S. Senior Open coming back to Notre Dame. And the Chicago Bears see the Minnesota Vikings get rid of another key piece from last year's playoff team. All right, it is 524. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Bethel University. Adult and graduate studies, visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. Coming up next, a conversation with a Notre Dame alum and truly one of the great voices in the NHL. 
the voice of the Nashville Predators. Pete Weber is going to join the program coming up next. And you are listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com, on the WSBT Radio app, and also on the Twitch app. Jones plays it over for Braun. Wilson stops it. Comes out for Eckholt. Stop. Rebound. Fisher scores. Fisher scores. Ah, yeah. Go in. At 11-12 in the third overtime. The Predators have tied the series. It's a 4-3 win. Holy cow. <laughs> There's nothing like Stanley Cup hockey. And my next guest has been a part of the NHL for decades now. The voice of the Nashville Predators, a Notre Dame alum and former voice of the Fighting Irish hockey team when the legendary Lefty Smith was in charge of Notre Dame hockey. It's my pleasure to welcome back to Sportsbeat, Pete Weber. Pete, thank you so much for your time. And three overtimes, that's not too bad. That's a lot of fun calling those long overtime games. Especially with a game that starts at 845 local time. So <laughs> oh, we were. Gosh. it was a school night. And no one had left the building when the game ended at 106. So that was a great test of hockey fans here in Middle Tennessee. The five overtime Notre Dame hockey game about eight years ago, the fifth overtime, my yeah. eyes started burning. Other than that, it was one of the <laughs> coolest nights of my life. I mean, those in extra-inning baseball games, yeah. they just live on and live on. You can't flush them out, which I, I'm very grateful for. No question. Well, Pete, good to hear your voice. As always, I greatly appreciate your time. And you were back in these parts recently as you were a part of a Notre Dame reunion. What's it like to come back to the University of Notre Dame and see some old classmates? Well, and in my case, really old because <laughs> it was my 50th reunion. Wow. And, uh, yes, we were, we were graduates in 1973. And there were roughly 1,500-some uh, in my class, 500 showed up for the reunion weekend mm. we had out of that we had 48 of us from notre dame and st mary's who spent our sophomore year overseas in innsbruck and 30 of them made it back and that was really gratifying to see so many of them uh, coming back and ready to celebrate because believe you me they were ready to celebrate and uh, they made sure that all of us were ready to celebrate and to continue that celebration. It was a, a great deal of fun. And the great thing, Pete, about getting to know you, you're still a huge fan of Notre Dame hockey. I know Lefty is a very important person to you. And I even think back to, I guess, almost two years ago, we were up in Albany and there was the controversial ending against North Dakota. We thought we scored before yeah. the red light and the green light came on and there was controversy. And you had texted me, you were in a press box somewhere in an NHL arena watching that game. So Notre Dame hockey is still very important to you. Very important to me. And I believe that night I was in uh, what was then the Bell Center in Denver okay. watching all that come down. Or no, no, no. I was in Las Vegas. That's where I was okay. as we speak of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, yeah, I was in uh, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas watching that. And I think you got back to the Compton this weekend? Yes, I did, and I got back, and I got, was able to take advantage of the great bookstore sale Good. Uh, downstairs on the Olympic ice surface, 
I came back with some uh, Under Armour shoes <laughs> that I think uh, got uh, some of the gold leaf that was being put on the dome itself la- the last few weeks. And uh, they look absolutely great. Uh, but going into the Compton and seeing all of that was uh, it really brought tears to my eyes, and I've got to hmm. find some way to get back for a game during the course of this next year, at least a game. And you're doing the game with me, right? you got to do at least a period or the whole game, whatever you want. Sure. The, the booth is yours. Thank you. Thank you. That's very, very welcoming of you to be able to uh, extend such an invitation, oh. and I will be glad to take advantage thereof. It would be an honor, no doubt about that. And bringing in NHL Nashville Predator hockey to Notre Dame hockey, Spencer Stasny, who played such wonderful hockey for Notre Dame for four years. His senior year, he was a dominant player in college hockey. The 23-year-old had been playing most of the year with the AHL Milwaukee Admirals, but Pete, he got the call up to the Predators. He got eight games under his belt. What are your early impressions of Stasny and how his future seems to be, you know, planning out at, at, with the Nashville Predators. How are things going to work out for yeah. him there? Well, I think they should work out pretty well. I mean, number one, he's just a magnificent skater and obviously has a very high hockey IQ. He fit in immediately when he came here to play down the stretch, and the Predators were out of the playoff picture and all of a sudden call up as many as 12 players from Milwaukee and have them in the lineup at one time. Uh, some fans here were referring to the Predators as the Predmirals, <laughs> the uh, merger of Milwaukee and Nashville. But Spencer Stastny really showed well. The coaching staff was high in their praises of him. And uh, um, among them was uh, John Hines, now no longer the Predators coach, but uh, rumored to be in strong contention for the job of the New York Rangers. Do you think there is a better than 50% chance that Stasny could break camp next year with the Predators? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I think that that would be something. I I know Barry Trotz is now the general manager and Mm -hmm. was the Predators' first ever coach. Uh, He's very high in his opinion of him. Pete Weber, Notre Dame alum, voice of the Nashville Predators, my guest here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. Recently, the Predators' new head coach, Andrew Burnett, was introduced. Any early feelings on some tweaking or changes coming to the way that the Predators will play moving forward? Well, he's going to have the chance to name one assistant coach. Uh, the, there is a, been retention of some of the others that were here under John Hines, and for that matter, Peter LaViolette. So we'll see what he does in that, in that way. But uh, Andrew Brunette, his nickname when he was a player here, and he was on the first team, he scored the first goal in team history, which I regret to tell everybody, yes, I was voice of the team, but I <laughs> didn't get to call it. Really? As anybody else would want to. Yeah, because it wasn't awarded until after a lengthy video review, <sighs> which revealed that it would have gone in, had the goal cage not been dislodged. So we're sitting there waiting and waiting, and finally you say, yeah, it's a goal. And I, I quite frankly, I couldn't, I didn't have enough thespian in me to go ahead and act <laughs> as if it was just being scored. Kind of like when the Blackhawks won their first of three cups against the Flyers. Patrick Kane yes. was the only person in the building knowing that the puck went in. We had a long wait before the Hawks officially celebrated their Stanley Cup championship. Well, the Stanley Cup final, Game 3, coming up tonight down in Florida. Vegas has a two-games-to-none series lead. P, 
Pete, the Stanley Cup playoffs is the most unpredictable playoffs. Maybe the NCAA basketball tournament might be the the closest thing to the Stanley Cup playoff because I look at the 16 teams. You play this thing 10, 12 times, and you're going to have different outcomes every time. The Bruins had the historic regular season. They get upset by the Panthers, who make it all the way to the final. It's just one of those things, Pete, it seems like, as an NHL organization, just figure out a way to get into the postseason, and truly anything can happen. Absolutely. And I think about my original NHL team, the Los Angeles Kings. Mm. And they were the last team to make the playoffs. In 2012, well, lo and behold, what happens? They knock off the first, second, and third seeds in the West and go on and win the Cup against New Jersey's Devils. And then they repeat uh, with a a year off in between in 2014. Get in. And that 2014 year was also when they were down three games to none to San Jose and came back and won. So all those statistical oddities seem to just manifest themselves in the Kings postseason run. Uh, at that point in time. And I absolutely agree. Get in and you have a shot. When the Predators made it in 2017, they were the last team to make that playoff field and they ended up in the final against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pete, as hockey continues to grow in America, it's good for American hockey when you have a young American star step forward and Matthew Kachuk has been around the NHL Mm -hmm. for a few years but traded from Calgary to Florida, and now has had really a coming-out party in front of the national audience during these Stanley Cup playoffs. And a lot of people don't know he was committed to the University of Notre Dame, and then things happened. Unfortunately, he did not come here. But a guy like Kachuk, I think American fans can really get behind because he has a great scoring touch, but also he's not afraid to put his body into someone, as Jack Eichel found out in Game 2 of the final. Oh, yeah, did Jack ever find that out? And <laughs> I, I love the way Jack responded. He said, hey, that was a clean hit. I, I was stupid. I had my head down going through the middle. And uh, thus I became uh, eligible for that sort of hit and went right down and he was able to bounce back and come back in the next period. But Matthew Kachuk, I mean, this is the, uh, the legacy of the St. Louis Blues players who stay home and coach the young players around St. Louis. His father, Keith Kachuk, was not exactly a shrinking violet type of player either. (laughs) And uh, watching his son work, and this one work, and the other in the Ottawa Senators chain right now has been a lot of fun for me uh, and knowing their backgrounds and thinking how they probably all got their start skating at the Centene Center west of downtown St. Louis. Mm. Pete Weber, Notre Dame alum, voice of the Nashville Predators, my guest on WSBT Radio. I want to go back to 2017 for a moment. The Nashville Predators made it to the Stanley Cup final. They lost to a a really good Pittsburgh Penguin team with a couple of Notre Dame players on that particular squad. But as a broadcaster, I'm really curious, Pete. I remember before Notre Dame played in the championship game at 18 against Duluth, I was extremely nervous all day. A little different in the Stanley Cup final. It's a best of seven. In college hockey, it's one shot, and you hope to get it done. I'm wondering, after many, many years of calling hockey were there any different feelings or emotions as a broadcaster going into that seven game series the biggest difference for me and the biggest thing i had to uh, do was control my emotions a bit because as they were going through all the introductions tears were starting to form in my eyes and that makes it kind of difficult to call a game uh so i i got the kleenex out wiped the eyes clean and got going after it but 
just having the final here in Nashville and so many of my hockey friends in town to mm. cover it or, or scout it, whatever, it was uh, maybe the best experience of my hockey life, I'd have to say. I was just going to say, where does that rank among special seasons from your time in the NHL? At the very top. Yeah. yeah, at the very top. There was the first season in team history where I did not get to announce the first goal in team history mm. because of circumstances we discussed here yeah. earlier. But, uh, no, I, you can't top a trip to the Stanley Cup final. Now, if I had been voice of the Montreal Canadiens in the 60s and 70s, <laughs> maybe we'd have a different response to all of that. But, uh, you know, as they were automatic, they would just announce the parade will take the same route as last year <laughs> in the city papers. Pete, I remember in 2012 covering Notre Dame football in Miami, getting set to take yep. on Alabama for the title. And we talked to a couple of media members from Alabama. They were actually hoping that they might get a break from going to the championship game because it was Alabama and Auburn pretty much going every other year. And they were tired of covering the championship games. Yep. I don't know about them, but if I had a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final as a broadcaster every year, I would not complain one bit it's a grind it's no. truly a grind but man there is nothing more fun than postseason hockey from my standpoint correct and i'll tell you what was a grind for me was in buffalo days four straight trips to the super bowl and should i add oh. i think everybody knows four straight unsuccessful trips to the super bowl including wide right in the first one against mm. the new york giants Mm-mm-mm. pete weber is my guest so I want to test your memory a little bit here from teams that you yeah. broadcasted teams that you yeah. were working for. Who are the three greatest hockey players that you covered? Well, without question at the top, I have two: Marcel Dion mm. with the LA Kings, uh, you know, ended up his career. I believe when he finished his career, he was the league's fourth all time leading goal scorer. And then maybe the most, uh, incredibly quiet man who was very well accomplished, Gilbert Perrault of the Sabres, who even today, if I were to approach him with my tape recorder, he would grab it and start singing Elvis Presley songs <laughs> with a French accent. I, I, I did that during the NHL 100 in Los Angeles in 2017, and his former Canadians uh, buddies were asking me, please, please get him away from here. We don't need to hear him sing Elvis songs. Here, you know, poolside. Uh, and then I'm going to have to say uh, a defenseman who I think was just absolutely an incredible force who would have been a darn good high school college linebacker, and that was the New York Islanders' Denny Potvin. Oh, wow. I'll tell you what, you mentioned the Sabres. They're going to be really, really good next year. It looks like the next few years. They should be. Yes, they should be. And, uh, they, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised where they let Cal Peterson get away and yeah. so on. But uh, now, of course, that was the big three-way trade a couple of days ago in the NHL, and he was, I would say, the cornerstone of that, along with Ivan Provorov. But that, uh, that has just been something special to watch uh, and how guys make it. I mean, you think about the college players, and I'm thinking about guys like Bill Nyrop, who was a class behind me at Notre Dame that came in, Alex Pyrus, who was still in the hockey ministry, working out of Chicago, and here's a guy, he didn't start his real hockey playing career until he was like 12 or 13 years of age, mm. and yet he was a 20-goal scorer for the Minnesota North Stars, and I guess that tells you how long ago it was. We haven't had North Stars since 93. Pete, what was your first year in the NHL? 78-79, so okay. the last year 
before the merger with the WHA. Okay. So I stepped into a 17-team league with Los Angeles, and our, our uh, divisional alignment included Pittsburgh, Detroit, Washington, and Boston. <laughs> So that was obviously <laughs> geographically aligned. It's like college sports today with the conferences, West yes, Virginia being in the Big 12. All right, so yeah. from, from 1978 to present, this is an extremely difficult question, but mm-hmm. regardless of the team, the three greatest hockey players that you have broadcasted. Okay, well, number one is easy, Gordie Howe. Yeah. Uh, number two is... I have to go this way because he was the most electric player for a good long period of time, Guy Lafleur. Mm. And on top of all of that, I'm going to go with a goaltender who I actually had in Buffalo and didn't name with my Buffalo people, but Dominic Hasek, who may well end up, uh, if we get down critically, being the best goaltender of all time. He was a brick wall for many, many years. Just a, a tremendous, yes. tremendous. A very flexible player. one. Yes, that's right. The guys, the guys called him Gumby, but uh, and for good reason. Was there anything more fun than watching Gordy Howe pick up one of his patented hat tricks? No, nothing better than that. And I just wish I had been there. Mark, now, Mark Howe, his son, his younger son, told me the story of the time Gordy thought someone, you know, when they were in the WHA with Houston, had picked on Mark. So Gordy went over to the guy flattened him with an elbow, and then took his glove off and reached up and put one finger in each nostril and lifted the guy up by his nose and warned him never to think about doing that again. (laughs) Don't worry, Gordy, I won't let you pick my nose again. (laughs) That is terrific. Hey, Pete, in closing, I don't know. We may have to pick up a hobby for the rest of the summer. Our, our St. Louis Cardinals are in a spot we're not used to seeing them in yeah. the first part of June. Last place. What in the world are we going to do? Well, I don't know. All I know is I watched them last night and they won one nothing. Me too. And I thought that was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely fantastic. But that was a, that's a, you know, there's some inter- interesting columns being written on stlouistoday.com uh, right now about how they have come to this predicament. And it seems that there's an awful lot of uh, unfavorable light being shown on John Mazalak. Yeah, no question. Well, they can never argue we're not loyal fans, as our team has the third worst record in baseball, and we're watching them win a 1-0 game against the Texas Rangers last night. (laughs) Yes. And then my buddy Greg Brown, who does the Pirates, yeah. They gave up seven in the first yesterday. I saw that. Incredible. Do you think Nashville's going to get a Major League Baseball team eventually? Yes, I do. I, I really do, and I think this would be a, a great spot for MLB, uh, without any question. The, the thing right now is the group that's trying to get the team, they claim they have the money to build the ballpark. So now it's a question of finding the real estate, getting the land cleared, and going after it. Some people have said, how about right next to the Titan Stadium? Only one problem there. There is a huge, huge mess that has to be cleaned up yeah. in terms of ecology. And uh, it's had nothing but battery acid in it and other things for years. So that would not be a cheap, uh, a cheap project at all. Well, folks, if you ever want to have a great experience, if you go to a Nashville Predators game when the game is over, 
right across the street is the historic Ryman Auditorium. And then to yeah. your right is Broadway Street with all the honky-tonks. I mean, there's nothing else like it in the NHL, Pete. It is a wonderful place to be during the hockey season because once the hockey game is over, you've got entertainment just waiting for you. That's right. Darren, thank you so much for having me on here this afternoon. You bet. And uh, I really enjoyed the trip back to South Bend. I've got to come back more frequently. Please do. And we look forward to having you back for a Notre Dame hockey game, hopefully this year. All right. I can't wait to dovetail the schedules. All right. Very good. Pete, thank you so much. Best wishes. Thank you, Darren. You bet. Pete Weber, Notre Dame alum, just back for his 50th class reunion and the longtime voice of the Nashville Predators and the Predators next year, Spencer Stasny, should be a big part of their blue line. 5.50 is our time. More sports beat in a moment on WSBT. Life is short. and it- This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 5.55 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you. My thanks to a good friend, the voice of the Nashville Predators, Pete Weber, for jumping on the program tonight. Again, our top story, Jack Swarbrick is stepping down as Notre Dame AD sometime in early 2024. Notre Dame alum Pete Bavacqua is going to be the new AD. We will recap that story coming up after the news in about oh, 10 or 12 minutes here on WSBT Radio. But right now, our Twitter question of the day, which you can find on my Twitter account every weekday, at 960 Sportsbeat. Yesterday, this was the question. Notre Dame lacrosse just won the program's first national championship. So, which of these Notre Dame sport teams will win the next title? I said this yesterday, maybe I should have put men's lacrosse on there again because they are loaded again next year. But from these teams, who has the best chance to win the next title? Your four choices, football, hockey, men's soccer, or women's basketball. Well, the voting was very interesting. We had a tie for third between men's soccer and football. They only got 14.3% of the vote. So not a lot of confidence that the next title will come from the Notre Dame football team. I don't know if it's being pessimistic. They haven't done it since 88. Whatever the case may be, it's really interesting that that got such little support. With the way they are recruiting under Marcus Freeman, boy, they have a heck of a shot coming up here in the near future. Second place in the voting, getting 20.4% of the vote, was Notre Dame hockey having that chance to win the next Notre Dame title. Now, the Fighting Irish made the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament two years ago. Last year, they took a step back, missing out on the tournament. Basically a 500 team most of the year. It was not helpful that they had the number one recruiting class in the country that should have been freshmen last year. And the three main guys decided to decommit and go elsewhere, including Logan Cooley, who went to Minnesota the number three pick in last year's draft of the Arizona Coyotes, and he is coming back to the Gophers for another season. So Notre Dame hockey is going to reload this year with 
a good, good young group. This is going to be like... I don't, I don't want to compare... It's not apples to apples, but the 2012 Irish had a big freshman class. And what would it have been? 15 or 16 had a big freshman class. And this is going to be a, a huge freshman class with a couple of grad transfers mixed in and some good veteran players. So it's going to be a really interesting team. Big Ten has been so good the last few years. You better have a lot of talent just to get through the conference schedule. Michigan State has taken a huge step forward. Michigan and Minnesota are who they are, two of the dominant programs in college hockey. Penn State's consistently good. Wisconsin's got a new coach from Minnesota State that could bring that program back. So, boy, oh, boy, you cannot sleep at all in college hockey, in particular in the Big Ten with how competitive it is. But according to you, which of these Notre Dame sports will win the next national championship? You believe that Neil Ivey will be the next coach to raise that NCAA championship trophy. Women's basketball got 51% of the vote. They have an extremely talented team, win healthy, ready to roll this year. LSU won the title with all those grad transfers, or I should say just transfers. Sounds like they loaded up once again. So the championship goes through Baton Rouge, but Notre Dame is going to have an extremely talented basketball team that should be a favorite to win the ACC and be a Final Four contender. So we thank you for voting on yesterday's question. Today's question went up earlier today, and here it is. Outside of Notre Dame football, which of these possible Irish winter headlines are you most interested in watching unfold? So we're throwing Notre Dame football aside. So which of these possible Irish winter headlines are you most interested in watching unfold? Here are your three choices. Along the same lines, we just had this conversation. Jeff Jackson's Irish hockey team reloading with young talent. The women's basketball team being a Final Four contender? Or are you most interested in watching unfold Micah Shrewsbury's first season as Notre Dame men's basketball coach? So again, at 960 Sportsbeat on Twitter, outside of Notre Dame football, which of these possible Irish winter headlines are you most interested in watching unfold? Hockey reloading with young talent, women's basketball, a Final Four contender, or Micah Shrewsbury's first season in charge of Notre Dame basketball. We'll bring you the results on tomorrow's program and have a Friday question ready to go. All right, it is 6 o'clock at WSBT South Bend. We'll start the second hour of the program in a couple of moments. After a sports update, we will recap our top story. Jack Swarbrick will be leaving Notre Dame as athletic director in early 2024, and his replacement is ready to go. Pete Bavacqua, a Notre Dame alum and a member of the Irish football team when Lou Holtz was roaming the sideline. The complete story coming up in a couple of moments here on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run. Touchdown. Here's the fake, Meyer looking, Meyer finding the other tight end, Irv Smith, touchdown. Fire, fire, rocket! 
Touchdown, Irish! Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 12 minutes after 6 o'clock, Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on. Brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Well, in less than a year, an era will end in Notre Dame athletics with the departure of current athletic director Jack Swarbrick. We found out today that the end of his tenure is going to be coming up sometime in early 2024, and... You do not need a search firm to figure out who the new AD is. That has already been decided. Notre Dame alum and the current chairman of the NBC Sports Group, Pete Bavacqua, will replace Mr. Swarbrick in that very important AD chair at the University of Notre Dame. Again, it looks like the first quarter of 24 is when Jack will depart the University of Notre Dame after a 15-year run as he was heavily involved in many important athletic developments at the University of Notre Dame and, of course, a player in the college football playoffs as well. You think about while at Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish were able to remain independent in football with the help of getting all their other sports into the Atlantic Coast Conference. Notre Dame football has that scheduling deal with the ACC where you get four, five, six games a year. That's been good for Notre Dame football. It's been fantastic for ACC schools because many times that spot on the schedule that now says Notre Dame might have been another team, and a lot of those schools would have had half-empty stadiums. Not a lot of interest about that particular game, but Notre Dame brings excitement to campuses whether people like to admit it or not, and it brings fannies into the seats, which means more revenue for those ACC teams. So it has been great for Notre Dame, helping them to remain independent in football, but also the ACC has benefited greatly from having Notre Dame involved in the football conference. Of course, for one year, the Irish were a conference member during covid Jack arranged a deal in which Notre Dame football was a part of the ACC, and they took advantage of that situation as they won the regular season title. They lost the ACC championship to Clemson, but that was a great run through the ACC. And if Notre Dame was into hanging banners, you've got one banner in one year in a conference. And who knows down the line? Maybe they'll be in a conference, but then again, maybe not. That's where Mr. Bavacqua comes in. We'll get to that in just a couple of moments. Also, Jack, of course, brought Brian Kelly into the Notre Dame family. The football program was not in a great spot when Jack took over, and you have to give Jack and his staff, the football coaches, a lot of credit for getting it back into a position to compete at the highest level in college football. They have not been able to knock down that door of winning a championship Last time, of course, 1988, the trip to the championship game in the BCS era in 12, losing to Alabama. Those two trips to the college football playoffs, losing to Bama and Clemson. So amazing progress with the program. I know the ultimate goal for the program, the university, and you, the fans, is to win that next national championship, and they're a whole lot closer than they were 15 years ago. And with Brian Kelly departing, Jack 
went with Marcus Freeman as his new head coach, hired Neil Ivey to replace the Hall of Famer, Muffin McGraw's women's basketball coach. Great success academically. Ten national championships for Notre Dame during that 15 years. Women's basketball, men's soccer, women's soccer, men's lacrosse just a couple of weeks ago. And fencing has had great success as one of the dominant programs, if not the dominant program in college fencing. From a Notre Dame release, Mr. Swarbrick said, quote, it speaks volumes about Notre Dame and Father Jenkins' leadership that we can implement such a well-conceived succession plan and attract someone of Pete's talent and experience. I have worked closely with Pete throughout his time at NBC, and based on that experience, I believe he has the perfect skill set to help Notre Dame navigate the rapidly changing landscape that is college athletics today and be an important national leader as we look to the future. I look forward to helping Notre Dame student-athletes and coaches achieve their goals in the months ahead while also helping Pete prepare for his tenure as athletic director, end quote. Now, Bavacqua has a lot of experience when it comes to TV rights deals. Let's get into that. Bavacqua said, quote, it has been an unbelievable, mutually beneficial relationship for both entities, Notre Dame and NBC. I have a strong suspicion that both Notre Dame and NBC would love to see that going forward well into the future, end quote. That's a key piece because getting that deal with NBC done or whichever outlet, if the money is right, that opens the door or maybe in this case, shuts the door of any thought going into a conference like the Big Ten that would enable Notre Dame to remain independent. But that's an important piece of the puzzle, the amount of money Notre Dame gets from that next home TV contract deal. There were reports months ago that maybe Notre Dame was looking for $75 million a year. Who Who knows if that was the case or not, but that is a major, major piece of the puzzle as Notre Dame looks to remain independent. Now, Bavak was 51 years old, a 1993 Notre Dame graduate, a walk-on punter for the Irish when Lou Holtz was the head coach. Before working at NBC, we actually had Kurt on Budweiser's weekday sports beat, gosh, maybe 20 years ago at this point, because Bavakwa was the CEO of the PGA of America. Bavakwa said in a statement, quote, This is a dream come true with the exception of my family. Nothing means more to me than Notre Dame. I don't have a memory in my lifetime, quite literally, where Notre Dame wasn't a part of it. At this stage of my life, I feel like everything I've done has prepared me for this. I didn't have a burning desire necessarily to be an athletic director. I had a burning desire to be the athletic director at Notre Dame, end quote. Now, let's give you a little background on Bavacqua in terms of what he has done recently. Now, his background is all about sports business, and that's going to be a big plus for Notre Dame. He led all aspects and business operations of NBC Sports and was responsible for its strategy. Bavacqua completed numerous rights agreements across the national and international sports landscape. A couple of examples 
August 2022, NBC Universal and the Big Ten Conference reached a seven-year agreement for NBC and Peacock to become the exclusive home of Big Ten Saturday Night Football. In March of 21, NBC Universal and the NFL agreed on an 11-year extension for NBC to continue as the home of NFL Sunday Night Football. It has been the number one primetime show for an unprecedented 12 consecutive years. Bavacqua, in a statement released on a Notre Dame press release, quote, such a large part of college athletics now and the success of any athletic program is baked into the media landscape. Obviously, having a very direct knowledge of where the media landscape is in the U.S., the power of linear television and where that's heading, the shift of the direct-to-consumer streaming environment, you kind of add up those elements, and I feel like I have the background and the professional experience to come into this at a good pace. And then you couple that with the comfort of having this wonderful transition period with Jack. I'm going to be pretty well positioned to pick up the torch from Jack. Well, he's going to take over this particular athletic department at an intriguing time with all the changes in college sports, the battle for meteorite money. And again, with Notre Dame wanting to stay football independent, getting that appropriate media deal done for home Notre Dame football games is going to be crucial. And a question that comes to mind for me as he takes over one of the more powerful positions in college sports, would he be ready to be the AD that will be remembered that sent Notre Dame from independence into a conference? If it gets to that point, you hope it doesn't, it probably won't, but are you comfortable with being a part of history? And a lot of people probably won't like you if that ever happened, but I think it is a legitimate question, but one that we may never have to worry about. 6.23 is our time. Jack Swarbrick will be leaving Notre Dame as athletic director in early 2024, and Pete Bavacqua, Notre Dame alum, is ready to take over. 6.23 at WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to the program. Darren Pritchett with you. Today's My Five, 2020, 2021, 2022. Seven NFL teams that made the playoffs each of those years failed to make the playoffs the following year. That's an interesting trend. So today we ask which five NFL teams that made the playoffs last year are most likely to miss the playoffs this year. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. And just to let you know, the NFC, the teams that made it, Eagles, 49ers, Vikings, Bucks, Cowboys, Giants, Seahawks, AFC, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Jaguars, Chargers, Ravens, Dolphins. At number five, I've got the Chargers. Went 10-7 and seven last year, but in the AFC West, only 2-4. and four. The Raiders and Broncos, the anticipation is they are going to be much more competitive this year. So it's going to be even more difficult for the Chargers to earn a wild card spot because we expect the Chiefs to win the division. They gave up the fifth most points in the AFC, 
384. And their head coach, Brandon Staley, makes some interesting decisions that oftentimes puts his football team at a tough spot. He is a riverboat gambler on fourth down. Another team that might miss the postseason this year that made it last year, also from the AFC, the Miami Dolphins. 9-8 and eight last year, second place in the AFC East. The anticipation is the New York Jets will be a much better football team this year with Aaron Rodgers. They were pretty good with a cast of characters at quarterback. Now you have a former MVP in charge of the offense. The Dolphins quarterback position is always up in the air with Tua Tagovailoa, always a candidate dealing with injuries and a candidate, what I wanted to say is a candidate to miss several games during the year. They also allowed the fourth most points in the AFC last year with 399. Okay, okay, Uh, number three. Teams that made the NFL playoffs last year that may miss the postseason this year at number three, we have the New York Giants. They went 9-7-1 last year, a big surprise in the NFL. Third place in the NFC East, but they went 0-4 against the Eagles and the Cowboys. 1-4-1 their division record last year, and their non-divisional schedule is much more difficult this year. Last year, they got to face the NFC North and the AFC South. A lot of winnable games there. This year, you have to face that rugged AFC East and an NFC West that could have three very, very competitive football teams. They still need explosive plays on the offensive side of the football outside of Saquon Barkley. They hope that tight end Darren Waller coming over from the Raiders will help in that. And another problem from last year that could be a problem this year, their trouble stopping the run. Number two. The Seattle Seahawks, 9-8 last year, second place in the NFC West. I was never all in on Seattle last year. I give them credit. They made the playoffs, but I was never a believer, so that's why they're high on my list not making the playoffs this year. They allowed the fifth most points in the NFC, 401. They're often scored 407 points, but I expect a regression this year from that offense, including from their quarterback, Geno Smith. And this year they face the AFC North and NFC East. That's going to be a handful. Number one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 8-9. and They won the NFC South, but no more Tom Brady. They now have Baker Mayfield. And by the way, with Brady, they only scored 313 points, the only team that scored fewer points in the NFC, the Rams. Oddly enough, though, there's a path to make the playoffs. All you have to do is win the division with three teams rebuilding, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons. That's the My 5 Sizzler coming up next on WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 